0: Welcome to Passionate World of Radio. Educate, enlighten,
1: entertain. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just it keep ar- it simple. Uh, I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. Oh. No.
0: oh, Dude. Stop with the voice. Just keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All
1: right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo Bros. Good job.
0: Hi, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio Network, where we... Educate, enlighten, and entertain. And I want to thank Jeannie White, station manager of Passionate World Talk Radio Network for writing the blog and producing the show. Please read the blog. It has a lot of information about my guest. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Passionate World Talk Radio Network, to make this all possible for us to have a voice and to be heard. Folks, you're going to want to listen to the show Are you a clueless caregiver? Were you clueless when you started caregiving? I know I was, (laughs) especially 20 years ago uh, with my mother-in-law. You're going to want to listen to my special guest who uses humor, which I love. You need humor in caregiving for her folks. And I want to welcome my special guest, Kat Lanane. Welcome, Kat.
1: Hi, Betsy. Thanks for having
0: me. You're welcome. I hope I pronounced your last name right.
1: (laughs) It's close enough.
0: (laughs) Close enough. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) That's my Jersey. (laughs) My Jersey way of saying things. Uh, Well, thank you for coming on chatting with Betsy, and I'm really interested, um, and I'm sure the audience is is as well as to how you created your blog, The Clueless Caregiver, and you're also the creator of the website, which you could um, please, you know, get that information.
1: Right, right. The Clueless Caregiver is um, my take, which is slightly humorous, and excuse a little young. Um, there are so many younger caregivers, family caregivers now in the United States. It's something like, I mean, just, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, let's say. Uh, believe it or not, there are something like, you know, two hundred and fifty or 300,000 teenagers who go home and look in on Grammy after school. Um, so my take on, on um, sort of the tasks of caregiving Um, I I think I bring some humor to it. I skew a little younger. Um, It is something that no one trains you to do. Um, And it's such an important and sometimes critical task, you know. Um, When my sister and I first started looking in after our parents, um, we knew we didn't know a thing about how to go about this, how to keep them in their own home, which was their adamant wish. Uh, as they grew older, and uh, there was a lot to learn. (laughs) And so eventually, you know, after two years of of me going back and forth to my parents' house in Connecticut from Florida and my sister living about 20 miles away from them, uh, after two years of doing this, it dawned on me, you know, uh, this would be a good thing to write about and have as a public service, website, you know, Um, ad-free, sharing a lot of the tips I learned as, you know, we kind of went through this experience.
0: Yes, I definitely believe in using humor. I was a caregiver to my mother-in-law and my husband, who both had Alzheimer's, and I'll tell you what, you need humor, and you have to cry and laugh at the same time (laughs) Um, helped me get through
1: yeah Um, and alzheimer's is really a special case Um, my parents lived into their 90s and were sharp as tacks which and they were hysterically funny people which made the writing all the more funny you know um but i certainly have um you know kind of existed in this subworld of caregiving for a while and so many folks do take care of parents with alzheimers and you need perspective because one moment they're swearing at you and the next minute they love you and the next <laughs> minute they're crying and um, and you have to learn not to over overreact you know one of a couple of the things that um resilience points in all the studies they do now um uh, resilience points for caregivers is humor, one of them certainly mastery, learning what you need to know so that you're not flummoxed when they have to go to the hospital or um you know uh something happens, you kind of have a peg on what it is, and you can sort of try as I did to learn to prevent things like, you know, preventing your parents from falling, um, which is the leading cause of sending old people to the hospital. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Humor and resilience um, go hand in hand, as do mastery, as does support. Um, As you probably learned with your um, parent and um, uh, in-law, uh, you're on 24-7. You know, the night walking is pretty episodic with those who have Alzheimer's. And when no one's sleeping, no one's, no one's available mentally.
0: True. That, I'm glad you brought that up, Kat. That's so true. And I like that you brought up that teenagers, and you're right, Teenagers are being caregivers, Uh, young adults. My son, when we moved in with my mother-in-law, was 16. And he learned, you know, at 16, got to watch grandma and report anything unusual. And I feel also, Kat, that the younger the the parent, of course, uh, the younger the child is going to be, and the effect that it will have on them and their long-term mental health. And also, I'd love that you brought up about fall prevention, because I think every person who wants to stay in their home, if you have an older parent who wants to stay in their home, I highly recommend getting a home safety evaluation from uh, an agency that does this, that can help with recommendations of safety reels and whatever else uh, may be necessary, to raised toilet seat, you know, things like that. And also to have information about your parents or your husband or wife or partner and going to the hospital. Um, I feel, Kat, that a, a caregiving course should be given for caregivers, you know, to get your power of attorney, your medical power of attorney, and, those necessary uh, legal matters in order
1: well that's what I was saying about support and there are mm-hmm. lots of programs um, you'd, be, you'd be surprised you just have to kind of go find them hospitals do now have caregiver courses or class um, you can ask for that help as you're discharging a parent out of the hospital um, Counties and cities and towns all have uh, senior aging um, commissions, which can point you in right directions. Um, some of them have respite care, so that, you know, if you're 24-7 or near, near darn to it, taking care of someone and exhausting and depressing yourself, um, there's someone who can come in and, and spot you for a window of three hours. Um, the fall prevention for us you know it's what you mentioned it was one of the first things that came up when we did what you suggested which is we got we finally talked my parents into getting in a nurse practitioner who was a a geriatric consultant and she spent about three hours with us and went over everything financials physicals Uh, she gave my mom a elementary slums test you know it's a It's sort of a quick quiz to determine mental capacity and Alzheimer's risk. Um, And she, I tell you, we spent money. My father, you know, bitched about having to do that. (laughs) But (laughs) it was worth the while because we learned a lot. And, yeah, uh, one of the first things she said is, you know, your father probably shouldn't be trying to take groceries in from the car up the driveway in a wheelbarrow and around to the front door. Uh, (laughs) during, during, you know, in icy days in Connecticut at 90. Um, And we said, yeah, but, you know, we haven't really found a solution to that. So we kind of drilled down on what the problems and challenges were. And we could get everyone to agree to be on the same page. It was really worthwhile doing that.
0: Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because there are people – who are managers, you you know, I don't know what the cost is to pay them. It could vary from state to state or person to person that could come in and assess your loved one and what you need and help you. And I'll tell you, folks, it's, it's worth the money. I mean, if you have the money to do it, do it. Get someone to help you. That's the thing, Kat. I think people don't realize there are resources to help. You um, yeah exactly in
1: fact, in my experience, Betsy, <clears throat> the people who get through the caregiving years the best did not do it on their own. You know we're all different people, and we all have places we feel a little shy about or uncomfortable about, but the people who who you know manage reached out, they went outside themselves, maybe they went outside their own introversion or shyness. Or their sense of privacy, you know, having someone in their home is not something some people do very much, and it makes them uncomfortable. Um, but I tell you, when when uh, we were able to get an aide in to help, what a difference that made! Um, or, you know, their own pride—they feel, oh, you know, I can handle this. We don't we don't need somebody else. You know, it's going to cost too much money, and I can handle it. Um, and it's a bigger job than you think.
0: Yes. I, I agree. My mom, she'll be 91 next month. God bless her. And she lives alone now. And I worry about her safety. Uh, my brother is going to get her the, um, what do you call those, the life alerts, where you right. press the button. Uh, which. Right. I would feel better she had something like that. And I think, you know, with wearing it around your neck is better because, you know, if you have, even if you carry your phone, you know, if someone falls, the phone is going to go flying across the room and they won't be able to get to their phone. they have it around their neck, they can press the button. This is really important. And, you know, she was determined to stay in her own home. And, you know, my mom has help with housekeeping, but, you know, I worry about her going out grocery shopping. She walks with a walker or a cane, but she's with it mentally, very much with it mentally.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, speaking of pride, I mean, that that happened, too, with my parents. I mean, they were still driving when they were in their late 80s, my father until he was in his early 90s. and he was he was fine he knew he knew his limits my mom did not (laughs) she she, i remember you know i'd stand across the room from her and hold up two fingers and say hey mom how many fingers do i have up you know and she'd tell me go jump in the lake because she knew i was trying to (laughs) test her vision Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and i would follow her downtown in her little connecticut hometown i'd follow her downtown in my car uh, to see how her driving was um, and she she uh she didn't want to hear that you know she couldn't drive. What I found when that sort of thing happens I mean some of these things are such a uh emblem of independence to your parents who are you know kind of losing things like their hearing and their eyesights going and um, they don't want to know that you know someone thinks they shouldn't drive or someone thinks they should you know wear the medical alert pendant or someone thinks they should see a doctor. There are a lot of older people who don't want to see the doctor because they're afraid what they'll learn um and so you know a certain a certain pride which you totally understand sets in. Uh, but you, as a you know, adult child, feel well. You know uh, they're not safe, like you say. So what do you do? And one of the things I found um, it didn't help if me, if I, the daughter, uh, said, "Mom, you shouldn't be driving," because now I'm the adult and she's the child. You know, um, right? Th- th- that didn't get through what i found was if i went to her doctor uh and you could go to uh, you know her sister or her best friend or her priest or whoever uh and say you know i, I, I she's not going to be listening to me is there any way you could just you know stop by or you know when you see her next you know mention something when that news comes from someone like her doctor or a nurse she likes at the office, that kind of thing, um, it, it sinks in better than if it comes from you.
0: Absolutely, I, I, I love that you said that, Kat. It's absolutely true. I mean, I learned, you know, from my mistake. So I tell people in my support group, from my own mistake, make the doctor the enemy and not yourself. Yes.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) You know, blame it on the doctor. The doctor said that. I, you know, unfortunately had to take my husband's keys away, and he didn't talk to me for four days, but that's okay. Uh. And, you
1: know, we were able to, you know, initially my parents said, oh, we don't need help around the house. We're fine. You know, we don't need someone to come in. Um, One of the ways I was able to get my father to listen to that was, um, I said, "Let's do it for Mom, not Dad. You know, you need help. It was, right. you know, her arthritic knees are bad. She's having trouble getting out of bed at night. You're not getting as much sleep. You need some rest. We need to get somebody in here for her." And he said, "Okay."
0: Right. It's all in the approach sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that definitely. Uh, my mom consented, oh, just a few years back, to having help with housework. And my mom still drives. You're talking about driving. My mom's has been 91, and she still drives, which makes me a little nervous. Although her eyesight yeah. is fine, but it still makes me yeah. nervous.
1: well of course it does and you know the um who is it is it um is it aarp some organization you can google it does driving tests for seniors um now most most of them aren't going to want to submit to it but it is there in a pinch you know um to be sure that they can drive. As I say, my my choice was to follow my mom downtown a couple of times to make sure she was using the turn signal and was. She was she was good. She was good until her arthritic knees got so bad that uh, she couldn't really. Uh, she didn't have a lot of control of her legs, and then she knew she couldn't drive anymore.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they don't want to omit their what I would call their shortcomings. That they are yeah, getting, you? I you know, frail. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I don't either, I'm 63. <laughs> right, right. My son will right, tell me. Exactly. Uh, but my son y- will tell me, Mom, it- you don't have the energy you used to.
1: <laughs> mm hmm. Mm
0: hmm. Um,. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things we did, too, you know, um, most folks who are getting into their 80s or older (laughs) or even younger are taking weekly prescriptions, you know, or daily prescriptions, and they've got their med boxes. Um, And, you know, we started monitoring those to see that uh, they were actually taking their medicines, you know. My father was pretty good. We had a little system where if you took took a pill on a Tuesday at noon – you closed that one, and you lifted the little latch on the on the cubby hole for you know Tuesday evening, the next dose. Um, and so we'd find Mom's med box with the little cubby holes open and and pills in them. <laughs> and, and she said, "I can do my own medicine," you know. And um, we're thinking, no, no, you really, you really can't because you're missing a lot here." Um, so we, you know, we put dad in charge because he was good at that. Um, And we had a way of just kind of trying to figure out what their strengths were and seeing that they could help each other if we weren't there.
0: That's a great idea. I like that. You know, they can, well, that's part of being, excuse me, a spouse or a partner, right? You Feed off of each other's strengths, and you know you help each other out. Um, right. Yeah, I, I like that. Now, are your parents? They're still living in their own <clears throat> home.
1: No, they're not. They passed. They passed um, before COVID. Um, oh, became an sorry. Issue and- yeah, well, they were they were they were way you know they were well in their 90s. <laughs> and, wow! Uh, knock on wood, you know we should all live that long, but um, right. they passed before COVID, and I think, of course, today how much more complex all this would have been mm-hmm. uh, yes. with COVID during during COVID. Um and um I think to the couple of acquaintances I have who actually took their mom out of the, a nursing home when when you know nursing homes were the um the, where all the all the initial covid cases were being reported um took their mom and dad home out of a nursing home and had to start from scratch trying to figure out <clears throat> how to care for them you know Right. <clears throat>
0: yes. I've heard of people doing that. They were taking their loved ones out of the facilities and having them at home. And then, you know, of course, they're scrambling to get help and it's very difficult now from what I hear to get someone into your home. Maybe mm. it's a little better now than it was in the the height uh, last year. Yeah. But I couldn't even imagine my husband was alive dealing with COVID. And right. You no, know, I just... Right. I'm very grateful he went before um, COVID. And how
1: long did you end up um, uh, taking care of your two Alzheimer's oldsters?
0: My mom-in-law, she was home. I took care of her for five years. Then she had to go to a facility because I... We couldn't manage um taking care of Mom anymore. it was twenty four seven and I had to go back to work. My husband mm-hmm. uh, I took care of for ten years, and yeah. i we did a tag team my son and I until near the end where I called in a uh, hospice mm-hmm. but it it's tough and i I highly recommend getting help uh for sure mm-hmm. and educating yourself you're right cat. Educating, I'm all for education. Whether Whatever your loved one's diagnosis is, um, whether they have Alzheimer's or not, some other dementia or not, or maybe they're diabetic or have um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, learn about it because it will help you to know what to expect, the signs, symptoms, so you're not totally – shocked
1: right and 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 you can you it's that mastery of skills knowing what to expect um, and being able to make wise decisions Um, and you know we all kind of fell into this backwards no one who isn't caring for someone who needs help at this point is saying oh I need to prep for that you know we all kind of fell into it um cluelessly, if you will. Yes. Um yeah. Um Yes, definitely. But, but um there is there is so much you can do to feel like you're at least kind of in control. Um one of the things that I found and I think other people find as well is that when someone needs a lot of care and a lot of looking after at home it changes the dynamic of the family. You know, folks who you kind of thought you knew, your brother or your mother or your cousin, um, uh, may not react the same way you do. I mean, some people really step up and kind of take charge And uh, other people, you know, step away. They they maybe get a little squeamish about anything to do with ill health. Um, And I certainly know a lot of families, mine included, where, you know, my sister and I were kind of at each other for quite a while. You know, she resented that I came in every month or six weeks for a week, and she was kind of left on the ground, you know, doing more of the day-to-day stuff, um, and, it, you know, that's understandable. In fact, in caregiving circles, there's something called the the brother from Boston. This is the, <laughs> the live-away sibling who, you know, flies in and starts ordering everyone around and saying, why is mom eating canned food and blah, 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 and the people on the ground who have been doing all the work are resentful as heck, you know. Um, right. Yeah, so the dynamic changes, and you get to know yourself in new ways. I mean, kind of what are you made of and what are your limits and what are your boundaries, and you get to know your family. You're kind of close up. You're living with them often now. You're kind of close up in a way you hadn't been in years, and you say, oh, I didn't know who this person was, you know. <laughs> right, know right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I, I heard a suggestion from someone in one of my support groups. And if you do have siblings, find out your strengths because one person can handle the financial, one could do medical, uh, one could maybe arrange appointments. You know, you wouldn't want someone to have charge of medical if they're not familiar with it and maybe the strength is something else. And, right. of course, you know, boundaries have to, and respect, have to be put in in place. I enjoyed you coming on, Pat, and I think it's, it's great that you did the Clueless Caregiver blog. Um, I was a licensed practical nurse, and I didn't know, I didn't have a clue about caregiving. Would you believe that? I yeah. did not didn't hear about Alzheimer's. You know, I would do my eighteen hours at work, I came home. But when you're twenty four seven, it's a whole different story, folks. Uh a whole different story. And I really wanna encourage the audience to go check out Kat's blog. Kat, can you give information of where people can find you? And
1: sure. It's just it's just <laughs> cluelesscaregiver dot com. <clears throat> Cluelesscaregiver.com, dot com. Yep.
0: And where else is that the only place where they could reach you?
1: Um. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I, yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay.
0: All right. I highly recommend reading the blog because some of the stories are really funny, and you know, people, I think, <laughs> can't need to lighten up. And did you find yourself? I have to ask you this: Did you find yourself after your parents were gone? Did you have? Did you find yourself thinking, "I should have, I would have, if I would have, I could have done this, I should have done that"? Did you drive yourself crazy with second guessing Um, yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I I, certainly there was some of that, and it was even worse. I think that's an immediate reaction you know, oh, God, I could have done more, Uh, you know, or um, why didn't I um, ask for more help at the hospital for his back pain? I should have pressed further on that kind of, you know. Um, I think that's an immediate reaction, of course. Um, But what got to me was when I felt that way, like, three or four months later, it would suddenly occur to me, like, why didn't I take my mom to the, beach more often, you know, um, because you can't do that now, you know. So you have, you have these regrets, whether they're big ones or small ones. Um, and I think by sort of doing your level best and pitching in and uh, while they're alive, you reduce the incidence of feeling those kinds of deep regrets, you know.
0: Yes, yes. I I asked you that because I want to point out to the audience, now your parents did not have dementia. So even as your parents or your spouse or partner don't have dementia, there's caregivers who still feel unjustified guilt, I call it. And you still drive yourself crazy second-guessing yourself. I know I did it. And I tell people don't do that. And I found myself doing that until I learned I have to let it go, and when I learned to let it go, I felt much better because I know that Matt, my my husband would not want me to feel that way. I know I did the best that I could, but I think mm. that's just so common among all caregivers.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's it's common even if you're not a caregiver and your parents, yes, has, um, that, oh, I had the opportunity to do X or Y, and I didn't. Or maybe you mature a little and you see them in a new light. They may not have been the best parents, but you kind of forgive them um, for trespasses or... You, you see them from, you know, wiser eyes, if you will, and you wish in some ways you could talk to them now. I wish I could talk to my mother and father right now. I think they would marvel at COVID, you know, and the world we're in. Often when I put on a mask, I'll say, if my mom or dad could see me now, you know, that this whole world has been turned upside down, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: well, thank you, Kat, for coming on, chatting with Betsy. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. Folks, like I said, go to the uh Caregiver blog and check it out because you're going to really enjoy reading it. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And please be kind. And I know February 19th was Caregiver's Day and it's past, but... I just want to do a shout-out and thank all personal, professional caregivers, past and present. You did your best. You're doing your best. And thank you. Thank you for doing what you have done and what you still continue to do if you're still caregiving. We need to honor the caregivers. Love up on a caregiver. Do something special for them and see if you could help a friend out or relative who is a caregiver. They would really appreciate it. And until we talk again, this is Betsy Wurzel, host of Chatting with Betsy and Passionate World Talk Radio Network. Bye-bye now.
1: Thank you for listening to
0: Passionate World
1: Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https://www.passionateworldtalkradio.com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon Alexa, AMFM247.com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine p.m. YouTube, Facebook,
0: Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find
1: on the Internet.